today's title is Traits of a Godly Mother. Traits of a Godly Mother. I want to start off with a quick story. There was, uh, there was these two brothers, and these two brothers uh, were trying to figure out what to get their mom on Mother's Day. What are we going to get our mother on Mother's Day? Now, their, mother, their father had just recently passed away, and this was the first Mother's Day that mom was going to be alone. And so both brothers were trying to figure out what to get, what to do, how to, you know, how to you know, go about this. And one of the brothers, unfortunately, lived in South America, uh, Central America, so he couldn't, he couldn't like, be with his mom in person. So uh, he decides, I know the best present I can get my mom. Now, these two guys are always competing. How many siblings are always trying to compete for their parents' love? If you don't raise your hand, you know, I know, look at that. Thank you for honesty right there. Honesty. Amen. Because, you know, we all want to be the favorite, right? So <laughs> he buys his mom a parrot, a parrot with beautiful colors, a parrot that could speak, a parrot that was nice and big and, and, and it, was, it was very friendly because parrots, not always, they're not always so friendly. For the bird people out there, you know, I'm not a bird person because I tried to like, and you know, they, they, they bite you, they pick you, right? But it was a beautiful bird. So he sends his mom this bird for companionship because she's by herself. Is that not the best present? So the second son was like, oh, man, what am I going to get her now? Like that, that tops it. I can't beat that. And he's like, you know what? Let me just get her some roses. Moms like roses. And let me get her a figurine. A lot of moms have figurines all over the house. Figurines all over the house. And so she said, I'll just add to her collection. I'll get her some more figurines. And so he got her roses, a card, a figurine. And um, his mom must have been like my mom because he gave her like a gift certificate to Boscov's, right? That's my mom's favorite place. And, um, and he goes to visit his mom in person. And he says, happy Mother's Day, Mom. And she's like, oh, thank you. Come in. Have a seat. Let's have a snack. And he's like, all right. So he's spending time with his mom. And he says, hey, Mom, how, you know, how do you like my gift to you? Trying to measure where he was in the gift giving. And she's like, oh, it was, it's nice. Thank you. And he's like, well, how would you like the gift that, you know, my, our brother, you know, my brother gave you? Oh, it was good. It was, it, was, it was fine. And he's like, okay. So he's sitting there. And then he's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And he's looking around the house. He's trying to look for the bird. He's like looking around for the bird. He's like, Mom, you said you enjoyed the present? Like, like yeah, it was, it was good. And he's like, it's, it was good. It was just good. I mean, where, where's the bird? She, go, she goes, oh, no, no, it was good, but it, it kind of tasted like chicken. <laughs> Mom ate the parrot. Moms do so many funny things. And if you are a mom and you're like, no, not me, look at your child, and they'll be like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You do some stuff, mom. Mom ate the chicken. I'm the parrot. Man. We learn a lot from moms. We learn a lot from moms. <laughs> Mothers can be funny. Mothers can be fierce, right? Mothers can be loving, yet mothers can also be samurai ninjas with chancletas, with flip-flops. 
how they turn from one to the other in a snap, I don't know. I don't know. They could be with one child like, ah, oh. one child behind them will do something and it's samurai mode instantly and just throw that flip-flop and always make contact. Is there a class somewhere for flip-flop throwing that we don't know about? <laughs> Secret society of flip-flop throwing. I don't know. <laughs> the truth is that we, 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 many of us can learn so much from mothers, from our mothers, or for women that stepped in to raise us when our mothers couldn't, right? Today, I want to take a look at a mother named Hannah. And uh, looking at her life, we're going to learn five traits, five traits of a godly mother, five traits. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 1 to 8, 1 Samuel 1 to 8. Praise God. Poor parrot. If he could talk, shouldn't he say like, oh, don't eat me, don't eat me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a chicken, right? He should have said something. Praise God. <laughs> All right. First Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 to 8 say, now there was a certain man Aromathium, Zophium, of the mountain, mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerome, Jeroham, Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, and Ephraimite. I should have skipped that. that you know. <laughs> he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat." Here's Hannah, right, suffering in this moment. But why is it that some people feel, some people feel that the great heroes of the Bible that we read about, these main characters, right, um, we feel like uh, they don't have problems. Or let's make it a little more common day. People look at church leaders or pastors or pastoral families and they say, oh, they're so perfect. They're so good. I wish you could. Uh, don't, don't wish that. We have our own problems. We have problems. We have issues. You know? Um, yeah, let me be the first to tell you that we got issues. Got issues. We all go through our, our stuff. 
We're all going to have our ups. We're all going to have our downs. Just because we look at someone and we feel that they're further in their walk with the God doesn't, doesn't, discard, doesn't disqualify them from experiencing the trials and tribulations that come with life at all. Life isn't sunshine and flowers all day long. I mean, we wish it were. We wish it was like warmer today and sunnier today. I mean, it's Mother's Day. Come on, God, you couldn't make it nice and warm and sunny so we could have went out after church and had a dinner on a patio somewhere or out the outside dining on a nice day? We wish we could live a life of sunshine and flowers. Here we have a man named Akana, and he's got two wives, Hannah and Paniah. Uh, and um, one has children, and Hannah does not. She doesn't have. In fact, the reason why he even married the second wife, Panina, we're just going to call her P today. Let's get through this. Penina is because of the fact that Hannah couldn't have kids. He only married Penina because Hannah couldn't even have children. So he's like, hey, I got to have kids. My, my tribe has to continue. My lineage has to So I'm just going to have to pick up another wife, which back in those days, I guess, was customary. You know, it was custom and it was okay. It's not okay these days. So don't try to get a second wife, anyone. It's not Okay. But in these times, when a woman was not able to have a child, in these times, it was looked down upon. It was like, you can't even have a child? What's wrong with you? Do you know, do you know that this is so common? You know how many millions of women struggle with fertility every day? This is nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing, it's nothing to look down upon. It's nothing to, to think. But, but in these days, you know, because it wasn't understood, these, in, they just like, oh, her womb must be cursed. And they will look down upon her. And then because of this, it caused her to be spiritually disturbed, socially disgraced, because, you know, when she would go places, oh, that's the girl that can't have no kids. That's, that's the lady who, you know, her husband got, had, he had to go get another woman because she couldn't give him kids. That's the one that, you know, because of, you know, because of all this, she was also, like, emotionally depressed. I mean, that will affect you. That truly affects you. We, too, can go through real-life circumstances that you have no control over. Hannah had no control over her womb. And we go through life with going, experiencing some real-life situations that you have no control over. And then when things are kind of bad, you fall into this depressed feeling. You feel socially disgraced at times. You feel, you know, spiritually disturbed. Let me tell you what spiritually disturbed looks like real simple. How could you, God, you must not be real. How could you, God, I'm, I give you my life and you can't even do this for me. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to serve, I'm not going to worship, I'm not going to be a part of what God wants to do because he's not, he's not being real in my life at this moment because look at what's happening to me. That's all products of spiritually disturbed people. 
where, you know, you understand the concept, you understand who God is, but you're disturbed and you're disturbed with God. And so it hinders your walk. It hinders your ability to receive him, receive guidance, to be led by him, to even the fellowship with other believers in the faith. You don't want to be around other Christians. Why, why would I want to be around other people in church when God's not even doing what he's supposed to be doing in my life? That's a common feeling, a common feeling. I'm not going to tell you to raise your hands, but, but inside, you know, you know. In the Bible alone, there's plenty of women that battle with barrenness, and you have Sarah, you have Rebecca, you have Rachel, you have Ruth, you have Elizabeth. Why is it that the Bible makes a point to put a, put a handful of women in there because it's not something that is not common? This is a common thing. This is something that was addressed in the scriptures because it happens today. You know, um, every, so every year, Al-Kana, he took the family to worship. He took the family to worship at Shiloh. That was his thing. Every year, he'd gather his tribe. They would travel. They would go and worship as a family, right? Now, these two wives didn't get along. You know, P teased her. He teased her. She teased her all the time. She teased her all the time, and even when, even when he would give her a double portion, her husband, when it came, because it was a part of the, it was part of the ceremony to, to break the food and to hand it out and to, to serve his family, and he would always serve his wife, Hannah, double, even though she didn't have the kids, even though she couldn't give him kids, but it showed how much he loved her. And even with double portions, she could not eat. She couldn't eat because she was made fun of, because she was teased, because, you know, she just, she, she, she would just sit there and cry and cry. Now, her husband, knowing that she was upset, her husband would give her the famous line that if we translate today, would be like, come on, babe, you know I love you. And besides, you got me. You don't need nobody else. I'm guilty, personally. I told my wife the same thing. When we, when we struggled, I told her, hey, don't worry about it. You got me. You don't need nothing else. I said, we could travel the world. We don't, you know, we know, we don't need no babysitters. Kevin's grown already. You're about to leave the house soon. Like, I was like, it's like, we're good. We're good. You don't need nobody else. And she would look at me like, you're good and all, but I still want this baby. <laughs> we see that through all this, um, we see that there's a godly lifestyle within their family, within their home. There's a, there's a godly um, instruction. Um, the, the, the man of this house is being the high priest of his home. He's taking his family. He's ensuring that his family's worshiping. He has them together. He's providing, you know, he's providing for them, right? He's instructing them. So in this household, you see that this is a godly household, with the exception of the two wives in modern day. But at this time, this is a godly household. 
And we see that even though this is a godly household, it still doesn't exempt them from persecution um, uh, or, or the trials and tribulations that we go through. We have to understand that. Because I'm telling you, when we think that just when we, when we have it all together and we still go through issues, you know, it's not at that moment to doubt who God is. It's not to doubt who God is in the moments of your faithfulness when you experience the hardships. It's not to doubt who he is, but to then be reassured of how great he is. Because through those hardships and your faith, you say, you know what? Man, God, this is a big one. I can't wait to see you handle this one. Wow. I know you've done this and you've done this, but dude, this is this is this is pretty intense. But you know what? I can't wait to see you handle this. That's the perspective. Can you see the difference in your thinking? Because it's easy to be like, oh my God, this is huge. How am I ever gonna get past this? How are we ever gonna get moved forward in our lives? Instead of saying, Man, this is pretty tough. God, you you got this tag. Tag you in. Let me let me just let me just sit here and, and watch. Let me just sit here and watch what, what God does. Let's change our perspectives when we go through those major things, right? Let's take a look at John 15 to 20. John 15 to 20. It says, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And we read this, we read this verse because we're, we're talking about living a godly life, right? Living a godly life, but then yet still experiencing hardships, experiencing persecution, experiencing trials and tribulations. We have to understand that Jesus himself said, listen, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So expect it. Don't expect things to be peaches and cream just because you are serving the Lord. Okay? This applies to us all, not just the mothers today. It applies to us all. Women of faith, godly mothers, they have their share of struggles. They have their share of struggles. So the first trait that we see in Hannah was that a woman of faith, a godly mother, we see that they got issues. She had issues. She had struggles. You can be a godly mother, a woman of faith, and still have issues and still have struggles. The second thing we see is that a godly mother expresses vibrant and persistent prayers. Vibrant and persistent prayers. Let's take a look at verses 9 through 18. 9 through 18. It says, so Hannah arose after they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting in the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Man, she was specific. She's like, give me a, boy, a baby boy. Then I will give him to, to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. And it happened 
as she continued to pray before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, but her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli, therefore, thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. What is a vibrant, what is vibrant prayer? A vibrant prayer is something of, of like, not just like a, Lord, please, just want to. No, she was like, God, you know, and there was passion in it. There was, there was passion. There was, there was emotion. There was, there was a, a desire for like, oh, you got to hear me. Like you, you, you know, it's, it's like pouring herself out and saying, God, please hear me. I need this. I need you to hear me. I need you to answer me. And, and it was just this, this, this. And then it was a persistent prayer. It wasn't these things where, you know, because these days, you know, we pray for like five minutes and we're good. Hannah had problems. She couldn't have kids. And, 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 and here she has this other woman in the house. You know, this other woman that kind of comes in and she makes fun of her. She teases her. She's got to share her man with her. How many of you guys are open to that? My wife's like, you can't even look at mine too long. Right? So don't look at me too long. She keeps a blade somewhere, somewhere. That's why I love her, though. That's why I love her. She's a gangster. <laughs> so um, <laughs> um, here she has, so, so she has this woman taunting her about her. And she's got to share her husband with them. And, and, and so things are, but, but verse 10 shows us what she did. It shows us how she responds to her situation. She's barren. She's upset. She's depressed. She she's, can be angry at this other woman. But all this, all this. And if you're a woman, if you're a mother or, or, or want to be a mother, like, that's a lot of emotional from everywhere, right? That will cause anyone to explode. Her response is found in verse 10 when it says she prayed to the Lord. Her response was to pray. It wasn't to go, you know, go back home, put her hair back in a bun, get the Vaseline. It, it wasn't... It, it, some people got that. That's good. That's good that not all of y'all laughing. That's good. We got to save church, God. We got to save church. Um, she didn't respond in that way. She responded in a way where she shows us that she turned to the Lord. A godly mother, when overwhelmed with life's circumstances, when overwhelmed with struggles, when overwhelmed, when things that they can't control, that they can't change, when they, they, they have no way of doing these things, a godly mother turns to the Lord in prayer. 
turns to the Lord in prayer. How about us? How about the mothers here today? Do we, do we find comfort in turning to the Lord in prayer when you know things are out of your hands? Or do you pull your hair out trying to do it on your own? Because we're going to have a lot of bald women up in here if that's the case. Pulling your hair out because you can't do it. You can't do it. Her prayer wasn't shallow. It wasn't just like, you know, like I said, it wasn't just like, Lord, please. No, it came from the depths of her soul. Like she poured herself out to God. Are we pouring ourselves out to him? She didn't care what she looked like. You know how people have said there's an ugly cry, there's an ugly prayer. There's a... Listen, this is when you're just like boogies, tears, everything. The hair's a mess. The, you're, you're, what do they call the eye? eye a mascara, that, that's, that's all over your face. You look like, you look like, a, like a, a horror flick. You look like your face is melting is what it looks like. But you don't care. You don't care what you look like. You don't care what you sound like. You don't care what people may think. Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. She's like, yo, this, this lady's drunk up in here. She need to go. She didn't care what she looked like. All she was worried about was going before God and pouring herself out to him. I encourage you. I encourage you. Listen, we got a bathroom with a mirror so you can fix it up after church. Listen, don't worry about what you look like. All right? If you marry, you don't got to worry about it anyway. You married. And if you're not married... A man of God is going to see that in you, and he's going to be like, that's the kind of woman I need right there. That's not going to care about what she looks like before the presence of the Lord. All right? Hey, I'm giving you, I'm giving you some tips. <laughs> Great anguish. Hannah made a decision that day to pray through her situation, and she kept praying until she received her blessing. When, when Eli says, may you receive, when he, when he, when he speaks to her in, in verse um, when, uh, in 17, he says, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him, and it's a blessing. It's a blessing. She didn't stop until she received her blessing, and then she was able to get up Stop crying and eat and eat. You know, um, she prayed until she received her blessing. And some of us, because we live in such a fast, technical world, right, we have access to everything so fast, so fast. Fast food that if you don't get your food within 10 minutes, y'all think it's like a lifetime because we're used to getting it within four minutes. So God forbid you have to wait 10 minutes for food, Right? We got fast food. We have the internet where instant information. You need to know something, you look it up. Boom, boom, boom. Like before, before, if you want to know what the weather was going to be, what did we do? Or that or watch the news. So you better get up and make sure you catch it early in the morning so you knew what the rest of the day was going to be like. Or you open the window and you do one of these like, well... It looks like it's going to be about 
Now, what's it going to be like? 60 degrees. Instantly. Instantly. We live in an instant world. And what happens is that instant feeling transfers over to our prayers because now when we pray, we want instant response. I mean, we get everything instant, so why, why shouldn't our prayers be instant? Why shouldn't God answer our prayers in the same speed that we're used to here on this earth? I mean, come on. I mean, God could do it. God could do it. He could answer in three seconds. He needs to do that. He needs to get with the program. This is 2021. In the meanwhile, God looks down and he's like, you must not have, you, you must not know. You must not know me. Read your Bible. <laughs> Read your Bible. And what happens is it transfers over to our prayer life, and we go before God with prayer petitions, and we pray, and if we don't receive it within our time frame, it frustrates us, it depresses us, it angers us, it makes us, some of us rebel in our walk with God because it wasn't on our time. Give me a child. We don't see it right away. Oh, it's not God's will. Wow. You, you know that fast? After praying for 10 minutes and not getting, not feeling like God answered your prayer, you already know it's not God's will? Listen, I'm, I am very, very, uh, I'm, not, I'm not open with the term, this is God's will, so loosely. I want you guys to understand this. I don't use that, that statement loosely. This is God's will. It's his will. It's his. I, don't, I don't use it loosely because many times we don't know his will for many years. We don't know his will for many years, so we can't be running around saying, it must not be his will. Oh, it must be, or it is his will. It is, if you don't, listen, you need to pray. If she would, I mean, this obviously was not the first time Hannah prayed. I mean, it says that, I mean, if we know he had to go marry somebody else to have kids, this has been a while, and she must have gone before God in prayer. Her husband was a godly man. And so what happens is this is something where you see that the the whole context of it was not an overnight thing. Imagine she would have just gave up with the first, oh, it's not God's will for me to have a child. Go ahead. Get yourself three or four more wives. I don't know. I don't know. My wife and I, we prayed for eight years, eight or nine years, before you see that little tornado (laughs) that you guys have seen running around the church. Not only have we prayed for nine years, but we had eight losses. And so um, it was very simple and easy to be like, it's just not God's will. It's just not God's will. Why do we go through that? I have no idea, and that's, a com- that's on my list to ask him when we get up there. I have some ideas because, you know, for, for, you know, uh, for uh, being able to relate to people that go through this and for God to use that as a testimony to give hope to those that are struggling to let's say, listen, nothing is impossible. God can still do it. Don't be discouraged. You know, many times what we go through is 
is to be used. You know, it's not so easy when we're going through, but at the end when God is glorified, it's a testimony of who he is and what he can do. And we share that, and it increases the faith of someone that's listening. God will reveal in his time. A woman of, uh, godly woman is faithful and is persistent, is vibrant with her prayers. Um, a, a godly woman experiences God's provision. She experiences God's provision. So I want to take a look at 1 Samuel 19 to 20. 19 to 20, it says, Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and, his, and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, this, this uh, text is very politically correct, the way that this version says it. Some versions straight up like he went back after being at church and they slept together. All right, because that's what it means, if you guys didn't know what it meant. That they knew each other means, oh, they knew each other. They got to know each other real good, right? And so I, uh, that's a, you know, that's a, okay, before we go into that, right? It's a group, uh, the great way to start the day, right? She, it says that they went out and worshiped the Lord. A great way to start your day. An example in the text. How do we start our day now? Many of us grab our phone and check the feed check notifications, check emails, check text, text messages. We te- we, we, that's our first go-to. She worshipped, I want to make a second point here. She worshipped the next morning, although she had not received her miracle. This is important. Don't miss this one. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. She worshipped, although she had not. Okay? She worshipped, although she had not. We have to get to that lifestyle of worshiping him anyway. And I've I mentioned this before. I don't want to beat the dead horse. But listen, you have, you don't have, you worship him anyway. You worship him anyway. Listen, what he did on the cross for us is enough for us to worship him for the rest of your life. So going back to getting to know each other. That church service must have been so on fire, so passionate, so encouraging and motivating. They left church ready to, ready to practice making kids. And uh, because Hannah trusted and believed that the Lord would hear her, he answered her prayers. Um, because she wasn't worried about impressing other people, he answered her prayers. Because she was uh, persistent, he answered her prayers. You know, sometimes we don't get what we're asking for. So it's not always going to look like the story of Hannah, where she prayed and she got. It's not always going to look like that, you know? But um, when we pray for an answer, God will always answer. That's the thing. He will always answer. He will always do that. You will receive God's provision through, those, through, you know, through your prayers. You will. That may not always look like what you're asking, 
But you have to remember that his ways are not our ways and that his thoughts are not our thoughts. And you have to understand that he just knows what's better. You know, when your child asks you for uh, to play with a knife or like another toy, you know, you give them the toy and you take away the knife. They don't understand. They really wanted that. But you know that that can hurt them. You know that they can, they can seriously hurt themselves or somebody else. And so as the parent, you, because you love them, because you know better, because you already know what that can do, you keep them from going through that. And God, being the loving Abba Father that he is, he already knows. And so he keeps us from so much by sometimes giving us different things than what we've asked for. And so when things come answered differently than what we expected, it's, a, it's, it's, it's changing your perspective. It's a moment to celebrate. Because like, oh, thank you, God, for this, because obviously that was not going to be good for me. Thank you, God, because obviously this was not going to help me, or, 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 or I don't know what could have happened. You know, you missed the bus, but you have to catch the next one. Praise the Lord. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it was something that I shouldn't have been on that bus. There were a handful of people the day of 9-11 that have testimonies to this day of missing the bus, of getting stuck, but this and that, blah, blah, blah. There's so many testimonies of all the bad things that happened on their way to work that caused them not to get to work, but yet now they're alive. Do you see? Because at that moment, you kick the car, oh, flat tire, Why? And then you look up in the news and you realize that where you were about to go is no longer exist. Women, uh, a godly woman will experience God's provision. You will experience his provision. It just may not look like what you expect. A godly woman, four, keeps her promises. A godly woman will keep her promises, okay? Let's turn to 1 Samuel 21 to 28. Keep on going down, 21, 28. Now the man, Elkanah, uh, Elkanah and his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord, remain there forever. So Akana, her husband, said to her, do what seems best for you, to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull. And brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. As long as uh, he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. My wife reminded me when I was reading this last night. She reminded me, 
She was like, yo, that, that happened to us. And there was a time when in one of the eight miscarriages, we were at the hospital, and the doctor that attended to us, he looked at her. He's like, well, Mrs. Diaz, you just, you're just never going to have kids. I, I mean, like, just like that. Like, if it was just, if it was like, oh, it's sunny outside. That's, that's how he said it. It was just like, oh, Mrs. Diaz, you're just never going to have kids. And, um, and then fast forward into the future, when she was having Abigail, there was the same doctor. And my wife made a point to be like, oh, excuse me, excuse me. You remember me? If you don't remember me, I'm, I was in the ER one time and you told me that I was never going to have kids. She's like, look at this. And it's funny to see the reactions of the doctors, especially when they, they have all their faith in science and stuff, right? He was just like, oh, uh, oh, you know, like, you know, like confused and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But it happened to us too. So she says the same thing to Eli. She's like, look, I was that woman. I was that woman that was here praying and God answered my prayer. I'm that woman. She promises in verse 11, if you give me a son, when she was praying, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you. She says, I'll offer him. She didn't say, I'll take him to BBS. She didn't say, I'll take him to Children's Church. She says, for his entire life. <laughs> like, she's like, I'm going to drop him off at the church. <laughs> we don't have services that will watch your kids for the rest of your life. So I, I, don't, I don't have that. We, we don't have that ministry yet, okay? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we don't have that one. But um, his entire life. If he would grant her a son, specifically, she said a son. God answered her prayer, gave her a son, and here she is following through on her promise. Her story teaches us that we need to keep our promises that we make to God because many of us make promises to God when we are down low. When we are in our lowest, we have made some promises, you know, uh, for the, and I've mentioned this in the past, for those that used to have a wild, crazy, alcoholic life, you find yourselves hugging that toilet. I promise never to drink again. And you get out of that situation. The next day you're like, whoo, we at the club. You didn't learn. You didn't learn. If you only get me out of this relationship, I promise that my next relationship will be a godly one. You know I don't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We promise things to God when we find, like, ourselves on rock bottom. Right? God, keep my marriage together, please. If you do this, we'll, we'll serve you together. We'll come to church. Keep my family whole. You know, if you do this, I'll, 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 I'll invest in, the, in, in, in being that high priest of my home. Mothers are like, God, please, if you, if you take my child off the street, if you, if, if you help me, this, we make promises to God. And we see God answer these promises, and somehow we kind of forget the promise that we made. We see God answering prayers, but we forget the promises that we made. Right? We forget about the same God that is the reason why we're out of the situation. Like, he took us out of it, but yet we forget to address him about it. We forget to uh, respond with the promise that we've made to him. 
You know, um, she gives us this wonderful example as a parent, as handing him over to the Lord, entrusting, entrusting him to the Lord. Parents, do we do this? Do we entrust our children? Do we hand our children back to God? A little later, we, we're going we're gonna to present a beautiful baby girl, Melina Lynn Rodriguez. Because those parents made a decision to respond in the way that Hannah did and to offer their child back to the Lord and dedicate this child to God. Hannah kept her promise. Hannah kept her promise. Fifth, the fifth trait that we see, the fifth and last trait that we see is that a godly woman explodes with praise. Explodes with praise. Come on, you got to be loose with it. How many moms are loose with their praise? Not yet? Someone? Oh, there's one over there. All right, amen. Amen. Anyone else? Come on. All right, all right let, let, me, let me give you an opportunity. All the godly mothers, when I count to three, explode with praise. One, two, three. All right. All right. Okay, good. First, uh, second, uh, first Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, verse 1 to 8, or maybe I'll stop before. Maybe I'll just read the first three verses. It says, Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is no one besides you, nor there is any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. She continues and continues, and if you're not really aware of what's going on in this passage, she is praising God. She is praising God. Now, Hannah has, has just dropped off her little toddler to church forever. <laughs> Some of the mothers here today, if you had to drop your toddler off at church forever, would have a heart attack at the steps of the church, right? You would go through sadness, heartbroken, depression as you were walking away from the church. You leave your child and you walk away and you're going to be going through all sorts of feelings, right? All sorts of feelings. But Hannah does something different. Oh, this woman, I mean, she does something different. She drops her kid off as she promised keeping her promise, and as she walks away from that situation, she begins to praise God, to worship him, to exalt him, to say there's nobody like you. I mean, this is what she's going, this is what she's doing right now and just going through it and worshiping and praising. Now, um, every parent here is guilty to a certain level of worshiping and praising their kids especially in front of some other parents. Like, you know, my daughter can, my son can, you know, my daughter picks up snakes. My daughter uh, chases her mom with snakes 
all over. That's that's true story. My daughter picks up snakes, and she will chase my wife because my wife is horrified. And then she's like, "Mommy, why are you scared? Why are you scared?" It's just a little snake. But parents, we love to brag about the things our children do, the accomplishments of our children, right? And um, when Hannah has an opportunity to, uh, to praise, she's, uh, <laughs> she doesn't brag about her son at all. Like, she's not saying, oh, thank you for my son. He's so intelligent. He's so smart. Thank you, God, that you gave me such a loving boy. Thank you, God, that, he, you know, that he's going to be serving you forever. Like, like, the prayer had nothing to do with her son. It had nothing to do with her son. The prayer had nothing to do with the gift, yet it praised and it exalted the giver of the gift. So what we're learning from Hannah at this moment is that many of us have to take our eyes off the gifts that God gives us and praise him and worship him because he's the giver of gifts. Not to praise the gift. Because some of us can be like, oh, this car, this person, this job, and we can end up praising the gifts that God gives us. Hey, we can thank him for it, right? I'm not saying not to thank God for it, but be careful that our thanking God of the, for that gift doesn't turn into praising and worshiping the gift that you got. Right? We have, you know, she gives us this example of turning your eyes away from the gift, no matter how great it is, because our children are amazing, right? Our children are awesome. They're beautiful. They're, 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 they're gifts from God, right? But to turn away from this beautiful, awesome gift, pretend the monitor is a child right now, okay? Um, and then we, we turn and we, we, even though it's great, we acknowledge that God is greater. We acknowledge that he provided, that he answered, you know? So she turns and she looks to God. She overlooks the gift, exalts and praises the giver of the gift. Hannah praises a God that provided. She understands that, you know what, I'm going to praise my God because he is the provider. He answers prayers, and he will continue to answer prayers. Many times these gifts, some of them are temporary. Some of the gifts that we get are temporary. And even our children will get up, get old, married, and leave us. Kevin, you have not left us. I'm talking about other kids. I'm talking about other kids. Some kids, I, I was one of those. I got up and I left. I left, I left the state. I, I went far. I left my parents. And so what happens is, you know, um, gifts can be temporary. Material things will come and go. People will be in and out of your life. But God is a constant. He will never leave nor forsake, and he will continue to answer and hear each and every prayer. So, in closing, I want to remind you. I want to remind you through Hannah's experience, through Hannah's example, she teaches our mothers how to be godly mothers. A lot of the stuff we've talked about today 
I know it's Mother's Day. We want our mothers to get it, but men, guess what? A lot of it applies to us as well. We could just turn around and just say a godly man does, and it'd be the same thing. We learn that a godly mother experiences real problems. So it's not, you can't condemn yourself when you're serving the Lord, trying to raise your children, trying to keep your household together, and then it seems like things are going on that you have no control over. It's not a time to, to condemn yourself or to down yourself or to feel like you're no longer a godly woman because you're going through that. Godly women go through stuff. They got their problems too. We see that godly women, uh, godly mothers, they, they, they're, they're vibrant in their prayers. They're persistent in their prayers. She turned to prayer instead of trying to do things on her own strength. Moms, there's nothing more powerful. And, I, and even I got to take this away from the men. Like, I, I, can't, I, gotta give it, I gotta give them this. There's nothing more powerful than a praying mom. And I just say that because I grew up seeing my mom praying all the time. Like, like I would get up and think that I got up before she did, and she was already up praying. And I was on my way to bed, and I would peek in, and she was about to go to bed praying. And her response to everything that would go wrong, that would sometimes frustrate me, was, let's pray. Let's pray. We got to do something about this, Mom. You need to go up to that school right now. No. <laughs> prayer, prayer, prayer. I have to say, I know my father prayed for me. I know he did, and I'm not to take, not to take that away from him. But I believe, and I look back at my life at the moments where I almost lost my life, at the moments where I was almost assigned to be deployed in certain, in certain dangerous areas. In the times when in the street, things came really close to bad, very bad. And I look back, I'm like, man, I am definitely not that favored. <laughs> this must be somebody else that has been praying. My mom prayed. She prayed, and I believe that a lot of her prayers are the reason why I am here standing today. A godly mother experiences God's provision. She knows who her provider is. She has faith in her provider. She trusts. And she will experience provision from God. To remind you, it may not always look what you want, but you will receive. A godly mother keeps her promises. Don't promise your child ice cream if you're not going to get the child ice cream. <laughs> Abigail won't let us forget it. <laughs> Didn't you say we can have ice cream after? we? Uh, why do you remember those things? <laughs> they don't remember anything else you try to teach them. They remember that stuff, right? Keep your promises. And I know we joke about the ice cream, but there are some real promises, not only that you make to your children, but that you make to God. Keep your promises to the Lord. Remember who's the one who took you out of those situations. 
Remember who's the one who has the power and the authority to, to, to set you free from all the things that you have felt bound from. And lastly, a godly mother will explode with praise. Listen, don't ever stop praising God. You know, some of our mothers are praying. Listen, my mom, I know there was a time when she was praying for me, and she knew she knew that I wasn't living right. She knew that I wasn't following the Lord. I mean, you know, I tried to play it off, at least when I was in front of them, right? But they know, and she never stopped worshiping and praising the Lord because she prayed, and then she would worship and praise because she knew that God would hear her answer and that one day he, that he would hear her pray and that one day he would answer You may not see it right now, the petitions that you're asking for, but praise them anyway. Mother's Day. Mothers, it's your mission to give your children to the Lord, to lift them up in prayer, no matter what age they are. You could be grown and mommy's still praying for you. Kevin, mommy still prays for you. Kevin's like, why? Keep calling my name. Because you're our son, that's why. <laughs> Don't ever stop, no matter the age. If you want to, your kids to learn, moms, check this out. You want your kids to learn about the Lord, to love the Lord, to walk with God. You want these things for your children. It starts with you. Because your kids are watching you. Your kids are listening to you. Your kids are uh, mimicking you. Everything that you do, that you say, I mean, you think they're not looking. Oh, they're looking. You think they don't hear, and they hear. They could be in the next room. They're coming. I heard that. <laughs> Their hearing works when you don't want them to listen. When you want the kids to listen, the hearing don't work no more. Moms, it starts with you. And so I just want to pray corporately over you all. Amen? Father God, right now, we come before you. Look at each and every mother that is standing here today. Father, you know the trials and the tribulations that they have go through. You know the heartache and the pain that they also endure. But Father God, you have given them a blessing a gift of life that they are, are, are entrusted to raise, although that those gifts still belong to you. Father, right now we pray for wisdom and discernment for each mother standing here, that you may lead them and guide them as they pour out into the children that you've given them. Lord, give them a loving and passionate heart. That in moments that they may, even in times that they are going through their own personal things, that they can still function to love their children. That nothing will hold them back from embracing your child, your sons, and your daughters. In Jesus' name. 